You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is the Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is March 24th, which means we are almost at the end of Women's History Month. So to celebrate, let's once again highlight a random woman from history who deserves it. All right, let's see who we got today. Oh, look at that. Today, it's Sophie Ferguson. What a legend. You see, in 1906, Sophie became the first woman to say, I am the boss, when a man asked to speak to her boss. Yeah, that man's head exploded so hard, it caused the great San Francisco earthquake. Congratulations, Sophie. Anyway, on tonight's show, Dulce Sloan on America's female Kaepernicks. We talk about how men can help women feel safer in the streets and why Kamala Harris is history's greatest monster. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Let's kick things off with the exciting news from the world of international shipping. You know, it's how you get all of those amazing products that claim to be locally sourced. But now, some of those deliveries might be a little delayed. Overseas, a major concern for global shipping. A large container ship is blocking the Swiss Canal. A technical problem caused a 1,300-foot vessel to run aground. The online monitoring system Tanker Tracker shows the huge backlog it's created, a traffic jam, basically, with ships unable to pass in either direction. They're trying to get tugs in there to pull it out, but it's so big that they're having a hard time moving it. Okay, I don't know about you, but I didn't even know that this could happen. There's a giant traffic jam of cargo ships? Yo, you realize that this is gonna set the human trafficking industry back weeks. And I feel so bad for the captain of that ship that got stuck in the canal because, like, we've all been there trying to make a U-turn on a narrow street, but now imagine how much more stressful it must be when you know that if you back up wrong, you might bump Egypt. Ah, sorry! I also feel bad for the guys behind that ship. Cause it's not like there's a lot of alternate routes they can take. Can you imagine if you're on one of those ships, you're looking at your Waze app like, what, go around Africa? No, 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 pull up Google Maps. This is crazy, we can't go around Africa. But when you look at how big that ship is, I'm not surprised that it got stuck. And the crazy thing is that whole ship is just delivering two AA batteries. Yeah, the rest is just extra packaging. What this situation really shows is how even in this age of technology, we still depend on old school things like cargo ships and canals. I mean, think about it. Right now, we can use our wireless computer phone to buy a hologram with cryptocurrency. But at the same time, big boat got stuck, water too small. But let's move on now to Washington, D.C., where there is a big debate going on about gun control. You see, Democrats say that maybe we should do something so that there isn't a mass shooting like every five minutes. While Republicans say, come on, where's your sense of adventure? Live a little. But maybe Republicans are just busy with more important things. Because if you watch conservative media right now, you know that at this moment, we are living through one of the biggest scandals in American history. Vice President Kamala Harris under fire for repeatedly failing to salute the military when boarding Air Force Two. Critics call it disgraceful that she would break the tradition of showing respect. And guess who appears to not support 
our men and women in the armed forces, Vice President Kamala Harris, simply refusing to salute the military members standing their post. You should so respect the military when they salute, salute back. She's not a very serious person. At least she didn't fall up the staircase here. Uh, but Bernie, the lack of respect here uh, from Kamala Harris, you know, I think is jarring for a lot of folks. For her to walk by them and not return their salute is just, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. Unbelievable. Kamala Harris, vice president and woman who is one strong gust of wind away from shattering the glass ceiling, did not return a salute. This is outrageous and dangerous, my friends. Because what if, what if Cuba invaded America and the Marines couldn't fight back because they were still waiting for Kamala to return their salute? I tell you who would never do this. My man, Donald Trump. He loved the military so much that he would salute other countries' troops. That's respect. Yo, but for real though, in case you're wondering, there's no actual rule that the vice president or the president are supposed to return a salute. This is just something that Ronald Reagan started, like the crack epidemic. And once he started, nobody wanted to be the one to stop. You know, it's like how that one coworker in your office started giving everyone holiday gifts. And now you have to do it too, or you look like an asshole. Here's your Starbucks gift card, Cheryl. Oh, you got me so Oh, a Starbucks gift card. What a good use of our time. Now, personally, if I was a politician, I'd be saluting all the time. Yeah, it's fun. It's like giving a little baby dab. Like people, if we're honest, if Kamala Harris doesn't salute, I don't think it's the end of the world. In fact, if anyone is disrespecting the military, it's the people on TV talking about the troops like they're crybabies. Make it seem like they're out there crying like, oh, I was waiting to salute when the vice president came, but when she walked by, she didn't salute me. So I saluted for nothing. And finally, some technology news out of Utah, the only place where Mitt Romney is considered a renegade. Utah has always been one of the most conservative states in the United States, but now, they're taking it to a whole new level. Utah is a step closer to requiring all cell phones and tablets sold in the state to automatically block pornography after the Republican governor signed legislation yesterday that critics call a significant intrusion of free speech. Governor Spencer Cox said the measure would send an important message about preventing children from accessing explicit online content. The measure won't go into effect unless five other states enact similar laws, a provision that was added to address concerns that it would be difficult to implement. That's right. Utah's governor knows that porn doesn't belong on phones and tablets. It belongs on laptops like God intended. I mean, sure, it's a little bit harder to take it into the bathroom and try to balance it on the sink, but that's just part of the excitement. Seriously, people, this is pointless. Even if Utah did successfully ban cell phone porn, it wouldn't make any difference, all right? People are horny. If they can't watch porn, they'll find something else on their phone to get the job done. Well, the Amazon app kind of looks like a penis and the Instagram app looks like a robot's butthole. So if I just put them together, yeah, that's gonna work for me. That's gonna work real good. By the way, I also love that Utah wants five other states to join them. So even Utah's laws are polygamous. But good luck, man. Good luck getting other states to ban porn. I wanna hear that sales pitch. Come on. Who else hates looking at naked people, huh? Alaska, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I don't think so, dude. It's pretty lonely up here. Wow, okay. Uh, Idaho, what about you guys? You guys think sex is gross, am I right? But let's move on now to our main story. 
March was supposed to be the month for celebrating women's history. But we haven't really been able to focus on that lately because of what's going on in women's presence. You see, a few weeks ago, the murder of Sarah Everard sparked outrage in England and across the world. And just last week, a gunman in Georgia gunned down seven women who he apparently blamed for his sex addiction. Now, these tragedies each touched on a wide array of big issues, from police violence to racially motivated hate crimes. But for many women, they're only the most extreme manifestation of a problem that they have to deal with every single day. The top story at this hour, the violence against women and the conversation that it has sparked among women around the world. For many, it can feel like the only way to guarantee your personal safety is to stay at home, lock your doors, and never leave. The World Health Organization says one in three women worldwide have been subjected to physical or sexual violence. And data shows the violence starts alarmingly young. Around the world, six women are killed every hour by men. And for women of color, their cases rarely in the headlines. On social media, the post, text me when you get home, now going viral. Women all over the world sharing their stories. We often are portrayed as paranoid when we call out or when we say like, oh, this is our realities, but really this is what we see and live every day. I thought I was an overprotective mother. So I was surprised to see millions of women out there, their sisters and mothers and friends asking other women to text them when they get home. Okay, now that, that is truly depressing. For many women, every time they leave the house, it's a risk. And this is not something that men experience. Like when the pandemic hit, men were like, so just going outside is dangerous now? And women are like, yeah, add it to the list. And that risk of violence is why women are forced to constantly check up on each other to make sure that everyone gets home okay. It's become a normal part of women's routines. Get home, brush your teeth, put on some PJs, and then text your friends a picture of you holding today's newspaper to prove that you're still alive. And that sucks for women on multiple levels because sometimes a woman forgets to send the text and accidentally falls asleep. And by the time she wakes up, there's sniffer dogs looking for her and find Jessica is trending on Twitter. And the truth is, even if women know they will get home safely most times, they never know which is the time that they won't. Because for women, just being out in public means facing a wide array of potential threats from men. People don't just wake up one day and murder somebody. Um, they are taught from an early age that there is a power difference between men and women and that it is okay to use certain language, certain behavior. And they progress from catcalling and groping. 96% of women, 40 and younger, reported being harassed on the street in the past year. Are you dressed the way you are? I'm dressed for work. These are my professional clothes. I've been followed home. I've been stopped. I've had guys try to sexually harass me. I was catcalled probably for the very first time, um, probably 11 or 12. And you have 30 seconds that young to work out, uh, if I say no to this person, mm -hmm. are they gonna be okay with that or are they gonna start yelling at me? Yeah, that's a terrifying thing to have to deal with. Women never know what a catcall might lead to, since that person already has the audacity to start shouting at them on the street. I mean, it's like the guy at the buffet who starts grabbing rice with his bare hands. Yo, that person is clearly capable of anything. This is why so many women wear headphones when they're walking down the street. You think they're all listening to your podcast? No. Half of them are just pretending to listen to something so when a man catcalls them, they can act like they didn't hear it. And the other half 
would never listen to your podcast anyway. Oh, you talk about sports with a mix of pop culture? <gasps> Revolutionary. So women basically have to tiptoe around the outside world like it's the quiet place, which is why they leave the house onto the teeth in case, just in case, they get noticed by the monster. Too many of us have clutched our keys in our fists in case we need to defend ourselves. I now have a panic alarm, which is part of my life now. On my keys, on my keychain for my car, I have a mini mace. Camila Parker packs up bags for her business. She started to give women a layer of safety that fits into a purse. The self-defense bags have a taser, an alarm, and pepper spray. Every woman you know has taken a longer route, has doubled back on herself, has pretended to dawdle by a shop window. I walk in the middle of the road and I did tell my daughters to do this. That is a safe place. God damn. It's safer in the middle of the road? Yo, how bad do men have to be for women to be like, uh, I'll take my chances with an 18-wheeler. At least it won't tell me to smile. And I never wanna hear anyone talk shit about women's giant purses again, like ever again. Look at all the shit that they have to bring with them just to stay safe. They got tasers, they got mini mace sprays on their keychains. What do men have on our keychains, huh? Bottle openers. I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know. Women don't know when they're gonna be attacked and men don't know when they're gonna be surprised with a tailgate. You gotta be careful, bro. There's brewskis around like every corner. <gasps> But the solution here isn't to load up women with weapons and gadgets like a human Swiss army knife. In fact, the solution doesn't really have anything to do with women at all. The burden has been placed on us to stay safe rather than compelling men to change their behavior. We are finding these comments on social media about why was so-and-so going out at night? Why was she on her own? Why was she dressed like that? Why was she, uh, why had she had a drink? You know, seeking to blame the woman for the fact that she's been attacked. The mainstream conversation about um, the subject uses passive voice all over the place. There's no active agent. Nobody's doing it to them. They're just experiencing it. That immediately frames the entire debate as if it's your problem as a woman. We are the culprits here. Whether we like it or not, this is about men. And we have to deal with that fact. And we can't even start to have that debate unless we start to reframe it with men at the center of it. That's right. The conversation needs to be reframed because this is not about what else women can do can't solve violence against women without addressing the men committing it. It would be like trying to address gun violence without restricting access to guns. I mean, that would be so crazy. Like, who would be that stupid to think that you could stop gun violence without trying to stop access to guns? And I know right now, a lot of guys are watching this going, yo, Trevor, I don't murder women. First of all, congratulations. But second of all, understand that there's more to it than that, all right? As men, we often act in ways that we think are totally appropriate because we know that we would never do anything wrong. But understand, the woman doesn't know you. She doesn't know that, right? You, you, so it's easier for you to just not do those things. Like you might think you're innocently complimenting a stranger's outfit in a parking lot, but unless you're Christian Siriano, she doesn't need to hear that from you. We should also be teaching the next generation of men to respect women and be aware of their experiences. And we should start them as early as possible. Like as soon as they're done nursing, their eyes have to be here. But aside from children, we have a responsibility to teach each other. Like as men, maybe we should start checking in with our friends 
like women do. Only in our case, it'll be a little different. Hey man, did you make it home safely without harassing any women? All right, great, good to know. Love you, I mean, go Packers. Look, the point is, as men, we should be steering this conversation to where it belongs, centered on us, because this is our responsibility not to be creeps, all right? So let's not make it the one thing that we don't take credit for. All right, when we come back, Dulce Sloan looks at all the trouble female athletes have been getting into, so don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. This month is Women's History Month, and to celebrate, we turn to Dulce Sloan for another episode of Dulcein. Athletes, they're good at running, jumping, and getting hit in the head. But some athletes are also trailblazers for justice and pioneers for change. Like Muhammad Ali protesting the Vietnam War, or Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the anthem, or J.R. Smith missing all those jump shots. I see what you're saying, J.R. No justice, no threes. But today, I wanna talk about the activist female athletes who have been erased from the history books. Women like track star Rose Robinson. Long before Cap kneeled to protest police brutality, Rose refused to stand for the flag and anthem during the 1959 Pan American Games because she felt they represented war, injustice, and hypocrisy. Her activism was another example of black women in the 1950s perfecting the art of sitting when and where they weren't supposed to. Whether it was sitting at the front of the bus, the whites only section of a restaurant, or just sitting around judging white people dancing. Basically, we were experts at using our behinds to say you to the system. It wasn't long after the protest that the IRS came for Rose for tax evasion. Mm-hmm, of course they did. She ended up going to jail and missing the 1960 Olympic Games. The same games where a young unknown athlete named Cassius Clay broke out onto the world stage. History may have been different if the government hadn't Wesley sniped Robinson over $380. Fast forward to a couple of Olympics later and another brave athlete would have her protest overlooked. Wyoming Atias was the first athlete in Olympic history, male or female, to win gold medals in consecutive 100-meter events, an accomplishment that took two decades to beat. And that's before all these modern improvements in science and nutrition and vegetables. When Taya set this record, they hadn't even invented kale yet. And in the 1968 Olympics, Wyoming protested racial segregation by wearing black shorts instead of her uniform shorts. Unfortunately, her protest did not get the coverage it should have, and no one noticed. And part of that was the media's fault. But maybe she could have done something a bit more flashy. If your protest involves clothes, it's either gotta be loud clothes or no clothes. If you're running with no bottoms, oh, <laughs> you've got people's attention. Finally, let's talk about Allison Felix, one of the greatest sprinters to ever compete in the Olympics. Felix was good enough to get a Nike sponsorship until 2018 when she got pregnant. Then during contract negotiations, Nike offered her a brand new deal with a 70% pay cut, which is some bullshit. They should have given her 100% more. She's literally growing another sprinter. If it was me, I would have rolled up to Nike and burned that bitch to the ground. But Allison is classy, you know. So she wrote an op-ed in the New York Times to let the sneakerheads know what was up. The resulting outrage forced Nike to stop reducing endorsements based on an athlete getting pregnant. 
there was even a congressional inquiry into Nike's maternity policies for athletes. And if you're Nike, you know you need to make changes to policy when Congress is the one telling you to just do it. So the next time you think about athletes taking a stand, don't forget the ladies. They're racking up the bling and fighting the power at the same time. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm about to go do my own bottomless protest outside Idris Elba's house. What am I protesting? His wife. Thank you so much, Dulce. All right, when we come back, the fantastic actress Nomza Mombata joins me on the show to talk about what it was like working with Eddie Murphy on Coming to America. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with South African actress Nomza Mombata. We talked about making her American feature film debut in the Coming to America sequel and what it was like for her actually coming to America. Nomza Mombata, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. It feels good. It feels good to have somebody pronounce my name and surname very correctly. I practiced for a very long time, just so you know, okay? <laughs> it was like, I sat the whole day, I was like, Nom Zam O Mbatha. And then I practiced and I practiced and I practiced, yes. And I just sat there and I was like, I'm gonna practice. How are you? I'm so good. All the more better for being here. All oh, are you better. kidding me? Are you kidding? This is an amazing day for me because not only do I get to celebrate you as a fellow South African, I get to celebrate your success in the most successful movie of the year, the movie that broke Amazon Prime, Coming to America. Congratulations on not just being part of the biggest film, but also being one of the breakout stars. I mean, do, do you ever take a moment to think about how amazing that is? Eddie Murphy, James Earl Jones, Arsenio Hall, Wesley Snipes, you know, Leslie Jones, Jermaine Fowler, and so many people are like, man, that Nom Zamo, she's amazing. It is crazy. It is crazy. I mean, honestly, it's been an out-of-body experience for the longest time, but I think you would be able to let me know, you know, how to, you know, go about this Hollywood thing because having to call Eddie Murphy, Eddie, yeah. You know, when Eddie came on to set or Arsenio and it's not Arsenio Hall or Wesley. So yeah, it's been an amazing journey, honestly, and a very incredible out of body coming together, like a full circle moment for me. Your coming to America story was, was almost as crazy as the original coming to America story <laughs> because you, you had to audition for this movie. You weren't in the country when you were doing it. Walk me through the story of how you came to be one of the stars in the movie. So it's crazy. I'm in the UAE. I literally flew from New York to Switzerland to the UAE. By the time that I'm in the UAE, I'm supposed to fly back to South Africa because I'm supposed to go and host the South African Music Awards. Yes. Right. I get a call the night before my flight from my agent and he says, you want to be in the room for this one. You can send a self-tape, but you want to be in the room. And I was like, listen, I've spent so much money flying in and out. These auditions are not working out and I'm not going to spend another penny. And he said, well, it's for a lead in coming to America. And I was like, well, I don't know. Hello? <laughs> so I literally uh, changed my flight from flying out of Abu Dhabi to South Africa to a new flight from Dubai to uh, LA. And so I canceled that and I drove from Abu Dhabi to Dubai, caught a flight from Dubai into LA and I, I made them to onto um, the offices of Leah Butler and I did my audition. It, it is quite a, a feat, you know, because I mean, getting into a, an American film is already a big jump. Getting into a, you know, a major marquee film is another jump, but I mean, to be seen as one of the breakout stars of it is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate celebration of what you have done. And, you know, like Eddie, for instance, even said, he's like, you have 
the most authentic accent. He's like, he loved how you were doing the thing. You, you know, you play um, Jermaine Fowler's Baba in the, in the story, you know, and, and he, the love interest. And, and what's cool about the story is you, you, don't, you don't know which way it's going. You're like, are we gonna stay in Zamunda? Or are we gonna go back to America? But, but here you are in this world. Was it, was, it, was it interesting for you when you were getting the job? Because I mean, a lot of people don't know this, especially like Americans, they just go to other countries and they work, you know? You can go to another country and you can work. And then if you're, you're British, you can just go to another country and then you work. But as a South African, there's such a big process behind, like, did you, you had to go to get a visa and everything, right? You had to, they had to approve you to come and do the job. I mean, first of all, you are coming into America with a tourist visa. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then you move from being a tourist to being somebody that's employed in America. So it's a whole process. I mean, I remember even when, uh, you know, I got the call to make it back to the States. It was like, you need to come back. You need to sign papers so that we can give you, you know, your official O-1 visa and go back to the embassy in South Africa to yes. have that visa stuck <laughs> in your passport and then come back. Let me tell you, I was like, I really genuinely deserve this movie. Because I've worked pretty hard for it. <laughs> Did anybody say anything to you at the at the visa place? Because I remember one of my favorite things about, about the process, Americans don't realize you do this. So, so to everyone who's watching who doesn't understand, this is how it works for a lot of countries around the world. If you're gonna come work in America, you, you can come in for the interview and then Americans can accept you for the job, but then you have to go back to your country so that Americans in your country can stamp your passport and put a visa in your passport so that you can come back to the country, which is America, so that you can get the job. And what happens in between is you get, you get like, you meet some of the most interesting people in the process. So, so on my side, I'll never forget the, 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 the guy who was working, you know, immigration, he looked at my visa and he's like, yo man, yo, your visa says you got an O-1. And I said, yeah. And he said, man, O-1 means you the best of the best. I said, well, I'm, I'm just good at what I do. And he's like, nah, O-1 means you the best. You like the Michael Jordan of what you do. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know about that. He's like, what do you do? I said, I'm a comedian. He's like, you the Michael Jordan of comedy? I was like, I, do, I don't even no. know what he's like. Hey man, if I see your jokes and they're not funny, you're going back to your country, you hear me? And then he stamped my passport and I came in. So I wanted, like, did you meet anybody? Like, cause they, they always say interesting things. It is. I'm thinking right now I'm cracking up because I'm thinking you got a threat and I had a threat as well. Because <laughs> she, she saw my, she saw my O1 and she said, Hmm, it says paramount. And I said, yes. Yeah. She says, well, what do you do? And I said, I'm an actress. Oh, which movie? And, and she, and I said, Oh, coming to America. And she was already, you know, I said, coming to America. And she stopped writing. She looked up, she said, don't mess it up. <laughs> so <I'm> like, <laughs> No one wants to, no, yeah. we want to make a good movie. <laughs> Movies on your shoulders, girl. You don't, if I'm watching that movie and it's hard, I'm gonna come find you <laughs> and take your passport and go, you're going back home. Please don't, please don't, I like it um, here. No, it's, it's, it's only been a success story. It's been beautiful. People have been celebrating you back home. You know, everyone's excited. They're just like, oh, you've done it for us. Um, it's a new journey now. And I, and I know it's scary and it's a crazy time to come to America during a pandemic, but you have dreams, you have hopes, you have aspirations. What are you hoping to do now that you're in this new world, you know, building on the success from South Africa into the US? Um, honestly, just to continue to do the work that I do, um, to continue to work with the United Nations, the refugee agency, to continue to make more films. Uh, right now, I want to get into producing as well. I think I'm in that space, just like that creative. What are you, what are you doing for life though? Like, because I, this is a question I love asking people who've just come to a new country. Like, so do you have any favorite things you do in LA? Do you have like, cause it's, it's pandemic plus a new country. So what is, what is your like normal life now? Do you have any normal? You know, honestly, it, you, when you come to America, 
I think you've, you've, you've said this before about the eating. So there's the first couple of months of just eating and thinking that it's not going to go anywhere. And then you want to go home and everyone says, my goodness, America is so good to you. <laughs> Your cheeks. <laughs> so uh, I try not to eat a lot. Um, but also, you know, I'm, I, I, I love chicken sandwiches. I didn't think oh, I'd love wow. chicken sandwiches yeah. as much as yes. I do. I yes. enjoy chicken sandwiches. What's the most American thing that, uh, oh, oh the, the, the crossing of the street was kind of very hard for me in the beginning, honestly. You're looking the wrong way? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was trying not to die in America. Yes. Uh, it's yes. very expensive to transport a body home. So, uh, yeah, there was just those those kind of things that I was going through. But I, honestly, it's very hard to come into a new country as a person who's on the other side. Yes, so I had a right. lot of culture shock, a lot of culture shock. But there's a lot of learning as well. So, I mean, what do I do? I haven't hiked. I haven't done I haven't done the, the normal... Um, touristy things i haven't gone to the hollywood walk of fame so you know i'm taking it slow oh i love it so what you need to do is i'll, I'll give you a few, few tips for la what you need to do you need to get like a really nice dog and then you need to go for a hike but then you need to dress as if you didn't care but you have to dress as if you're on a runway and then you go for the hike and then make sure you don't sweat but make it look like you were working out exactly and do then, i like, need to have a bottle of water as well but it must be like a like a like a special type of bottle. Like it must be a bottle that says something about you as a person. Very natural, but not too natural. Very, very you know what natural. I mean? And then like yeah, and then and then just enjoy LA. Be yourself, but don't be yourself. Just be who you who you think you should be, and you'll this have a good time. This is too hard for me. This is too hard for me. I don't think I can be able to do it. And as I don't know. Can I tell you the, no? But can I tell you the thing for real though is that's the great thing about what you're doing. What a lot of people do is you are you, and people are loving you for that. I think that's why you're successful in the movie. You play the character fantastic. And I think when people meet the real Nom Zamo in real life, they go like, wow, she's even more of a princess in real life. So uh, I think you're going to experience more success, more joy, and you have no risk of somebody taking away that passport. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you so much. And I can't so wait to that. see you when the lockdown ends. Yes, 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 please. Stay safe, okay? All right. Bye. And we're so proud of you. Oh, I Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> Bye. Don't forget, people, Coming to America is available now on Amazon Prime Video. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, as it is Women's History Month, I would please ask you to consider donating to A New Way of Life, an organization dedicated to providing housing, legal services, and leadership development for women rebuilding their lives after prison. If you can help out, go to the link below and donate whatever you can. Until next time, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, if you're planning on going through the Suez Canal, make sure to hit up the bathroom first. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.